Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another week as we get back into our uh, normal routine. And we're going to cover Steel Panther's debut album, Feel the Steel. This this should be fun. Uh, it came out in 2009. But before we get there, how are you doing, bud? I'm good. Uh, very good. Um, it's it's nice that we're kind of back on track again. Um, enjoyed our, our best of. Uh, 2021 episode from last week and uh part of me is kind of relieved that it's over because it was like just such a uh just i was rushing to listen to as much as i could towards the end of the year i did not do a good job of of spreading out my material uh throughout the year which i'm going to make a point to try a little bit harder this year um but uh it, I thought it went well. It was cool doing it live on Twitch. We're back on Twitch today. Um, so if anybody's joining us live, welcome. Thanks for thanks for joining us. Uh, if not, you'll be listening to this. Uh, hopefully first thing Monday morning. It's the first thing you do when you wake up at 6 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, yes, I'm yeah. sure. It's it's funny. Um, you don't realize how much work goes into that uh, that list in terms of like thought and really kind of placement and then revisiting things from earlier in the year. Um, it is, it is, it is definitely a labor of love, but I'm happy we do it. It's one of, if not my favorite episode of the year. And it was just interesting, I think, to see where we fell out because, um, there was definitely some overlap in our lists, but by the same token, there was other stuff that was like, I don't even know that was necessarily even on my radar and, and certainly vice versa. So, um, pretty cool. And I'm, I'm glad we did it, but it's, it's back to our regularly, uh, scheduled program, if you will. And, and this was one that we were supposed to do before the Christmas holidays. Uh, but you know, COVID got in the way, I suppose. So we're back. I'm happy we're doing it. And I also am looking forward to your, uh, album choice from next week because I have no idea what you're going to choose. Neither do I. So um... <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, it's funny. I, I something happened this week. I almost fell out of my chair. Uh, I was listening to another podcast. Believe it or not, there are other podcasts out there, and we do listen to some of them. So I was listening to the BBC's Global News podcast, which is uh, they come through my feed twice a day. It's just kind of a recap of what's going on in the world. So obviously, one of the bigger stories is uh, tennis player Novak Djokovic's. Um, issues that he's having in Australia. He didn't get vaccinated. They held him in detention. Uh, he, uh, he's going through the court process right now. And, and there's obviously it's, it's captivating the world because it is one of the bigger stories out there. And uh, as I'm listening to the podcast, they, they uh, basically had on somebody to discuss the legal elements uh, of the case. And they pitched it to Daniel Estrin, uh, a, a immigration attorney from Perth, Australia, who we've had on the podcast. And although we didn't discuss, uh, discuss immigration law with him, he's probably better known to our listeners as the front man and guitar player for Voyager. And I almost fell out of my chair. Um, he's a friend of the show. I've, I've, I'm as an attorney myself, we've have had discussions about that offline. But when I heard him on this podcast, I, I started laughing and I, I shot him a message, uh, saying that, uh, we must have given him his big break because now he's on this uh, podcast that has you know millions of listeners. It was it was really funny, and I think I sent you uh, a message when I heard it. It was it was just shocking to me. 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to finding out that uh, Richard West was uh, helping out the British Parliament in in the future with some uh, legal advice. So, uh, we, you know, stay tuned for that. All of our all of our guests tend to go on to bigger and brighter things uh, shortly after being on this podcast. Without without question, for anyone that was on with us in 2021, um, it's sure to have a good year in 2022, and we'll still be here covering Steel Panther. So that basically sums it up uh, in a, in a nutshell. Um, just a little bit of a surprise. I, I have. Uh, Something in the works that I had mentioned to you offline, I have a feeling that that may be coming out in the next week or so, so fingers crossed for that. Uh, but while I have you, any anything that you listen to this week that's uh, worth noting? Yeah, a, a couple of new um, singles kind of came through. Um, the only album I've gotten so far in the calendar year has been the, the new Wild Run album, which I really haven't had a chance to listen to yet, but... Um, there's been a few uh, a few singles that have kind of uh, snuck out, and since we didn't really talk about new music or brand new music, I should say, last week, and we were off the week before, a um, couple of things kind of uh, came across. Um, Star One has another single. Uh, this one featuring uh, Ross Jennings from Haken, uh, and the song's called Prescient. Um, that is going to be on the Revel in Time album that's coming out soon. Um, Kind of, uh, again, another track that I thought had more of an Arion vibe than a Star One vibe, but still good stuff. I enjoyed it a lot. And um, again, I'm looking forward to hearing that that whole album. Um, as well as that, um, let's see, uh, looking through the list, um, Ronnie Atkins, we mentioned him on the Best of podcast. Uh, he's got another... Um, <clears throat> another solo album coming out and he released a new single called rising tide um also good stuff um i'm looking forward to that album as well that's another one that's on the top of my list and um i can't remember did i mention the new machine supremacy single we are the ones who will change the world because um it's one of my favorite songs that they've done in a long time um they haven't released a full-length album in a while they've been kind of trickling out um, singles and um, you know they've been good, but this one I think is really, really pretty great. Um, I like this a lot, so uh, I, I don't know if you had a chance to hear, hear it. I, I did, and and I, I may have posted it a couple of weeks ago. I, I don't recall. I'll, I'll certainly look and, and see. If not, I, I will. What surprises me about this band is that they are not more popular. They seem like they're more. Uh, I don't know. I guess the video game crowd seems to really love this band but the the metal fans not as much and I'm, I'm surprised because i mean i'm just a big fan of the debut album i actually bought the demo of them their demo when it came out before their first initial release and i so i've been kind of listening to them for a while i know that some people don't love the vocals and i i don't really understand why i i i happen to enjoy them but i feel like they should be bigger than they are so i'm glad you mentioned them it's it's really good stuff Yes, I uh, I agree. Um, I'm a big fan of them, and kind of sticking to the uh, the video game theme, you had brought to my attention that the Reign of Kindo had done a couple of Final Fantasy covers, um, and uh, one of them was a um, version of the the opera song from Final Fantasy VI, which I thought was so cool. Kind of done in like this this chill coffee house prog rock kind of style. Um, I couldn't find it on any of the streaming services, so you're probably going to have to go to YouTube to check this one out. But um, really cool stuff. Uh, I liked it a lot. Um, to, to this day, I have no idea how they got hooked up with that project. 
I mean, it is just at the time they were just a small unknown band from Buffalo. And here they are like on this Japanese, like, I don't know, coffee house, I guess is the best way to say it. Coffee house disc of, of final fantasy songs. It makes no sense, but kudos to them. They somehow got on there. It's fantastic. Nobody knows about it. And I just love the band. So um, I'm glad you enjoyed it as much as I did. It's just, I, I had actually forgotten about it myself and then I stumbled upon it again and, and I had to share it with you. Yep. And then one other thing I just found out yesterday that uh, Veonity is coming out with a new album called Elements of Power. Um, and they released a single called Dive Into the Light. I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, but I did. Uh, I gave it a download yesterday and it's in my uh, queue of things to, to listen to. Um, also, you had mentioned that um, October Thorns was going to be releasing an album 10 years later or 12 years later, or whatever. And they released another track, Page One, uh, that dropped yesterday as well. So um, it sounds to me like um, they took those demo tracks from back in the day and just really cleaned them up. They sound really good. Um, so that that's that's uh, cool. A nice little uh, tribute to the late Dave Z. Um, so yeah, there's just a handful of things that I uh, heard about. Nice. I, I haven't heard weeks. those. I haven't heard those two, but I'll, I'll definitely check them out once we're done. I just want to mention one thing. I kind of went back into the archives myself a little bit. I, I uh, upon a recommendation, had listened to an album from 2017 that I just didn't remember listening to at all. And it was a glaring omission for me. I heard an album and sometimes you just get blown away, especially by something that you haven't heard or forgot about. There's another band out of Australia called Damnations Day. They had started in 2013 with an album called Invisible the Dead. I thought it was great. But I listened to their 2017 release, A World Awakens. And this album is just fantastic from top to bottom. Um very, very crunchy guitars, some of the best vocals you'll hear, and, and just so melodic and catchy. I um, I really hope they come out with another album. It's been like almost five years, and, and they are long overdue. I don't even know if they're still active. Uh, I, I think they are, um, but I'm eagerly awaiting new material from these guys. I had told you just check out this album. I know you knew a couple of tracks from it, but um, just a spectacular release that just kind of went overlooked by me, you know, almost five years ago now. Uh, yes, I'm going to have to give that a good listen because um, I remember the things that I heard were good, but I don't remember anything too specifically. So, uh, you know, I'll go back and give that a, a listen for sure. Nice. Uh, but let's transition to why we're here. Uh, on June 8th, 2009, the world was introduced to Steel Panther. Um, I... I don't know even how to even start this one. Normally, my, I'll ask you all, how'd you hear about these guys? I'm going to start with a, I, I think I'm going to start with a disclaimer on this one. Um, I was, this is a band that I, I know we both enjoy, but I think we should be clear. Um, I don't think we're doing a de- an in-depth lyrical analysis here because we may get kicked off every single podcast platform that we're on because it is that um offensive to just about everyone in the world. I mean, I don't think that anyone is safe. Uh, they didn't really go after religion so much, but they, they basically went after everybody else. So any, any other, any other uh, offensive topic or, or area for, for um, criticism, they, they, they went for the jugular and they went for it hard and they went for it fast on this album. So with that up front, uh, I, I think it's fair to say that none of us condone or, or, or um, buy into the, the rhetoric there necessarily, but I still think that as a piece of music, it was worth it was worth doing this album, even if it was worse than I remember it in terms of <laughs> in terms of the lyrics. Anyway, 
Right. Um, yeah, I remember you telling me about this uh, this band back probably around the time that they that this album was released, and um, you know, I initially just figured, oh, it's just a joke. Like somebody was just like, let's make of Motley Crue album that's just raunchy as hell. And um, but like, no, this is like a real band that does that's a successful touring band that does a has a, sh- a bunch of shows in Vegas and. Um, Lots of like celebrities have come on stage and sang with them, and so um, they, they have quite quite the popularity um, in spite of, of being um, just completely just completely offensive. Um, but <laughs> at the same at the same time, like the it's they're also incredibly self deprecating, and, and if you ever see any of their their live performances, it's a combination of a live concert and and like a roast because they're just on stage roasting the the, the crap out of each other and the and the, the crowd and just it, it's it's almost like a comedy show mixed with a metal concert um it, it's it's very interesting stuff I, I have yet to see them live but i do uh own the uh one of their blu-ray performances and it's hilarious the way that they just kind of rip on each other um in between songs they just kind of riff and it's uh, it's it's fun if if you uh, if you can kind of lower your guard to to sensitivity for a, for an hour, you'll you'll you know, end up having a good time. In the current climate, it is shocking to me that these guys have not been canceled. Just like I mean, you, people are getting uh, blackballed for for a lot less than what they do. And even though it's presented as a joke, somehow I I don't know how it's accepted, but I. I enjoy it for what it is. I'll, I'm not going to lie. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. My first exposure to this band was actually well before the the album came out. This is – I don't even know if I've ever told you this story. So this I can't believe be you first. just used the word exposure to describe a Steel Panther album. So I we're think, off and running. I think, it's, I, I think it's on point for, for sure. Um, in I guess it was somewhere in like the mid-2000s. I was watching TV and I saw this commercial for this fake band called Danger Kitty. And it was for a Discover Card commercial. Have you ever? Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? I do not. <laughs> okay, this is great. Then I'm gonna. I'll, I will 100% post this commercial this week. I was watching this commercial on TV, like on broadcast TV, for this band called Danger Kitty, and they talk about their hit single Love Rocket, and then how the band was like the highest of highs in the 80s, and then they basically fizzled out, and they were playing bar mitzvahs by like. 2002 or whatever it was because you know nobody cared about them and stuff like that and but the music in the commercial was like riveting because it was like you know I I felt like I was listening to Motley Crue on on this commercial and it was fascinating to me so Discover had this promotion I I kid you not but Discover had this promotion where if you sent them uh, your address they would send you the Danger Kitty one track CD so I sent them my address and I kid you not, it may have been via email, but whatever it was, I contacted Discover and I said, I want the album. Weeks later, I get this package in the mail and this was probably the height of my eBay fandom, right? So I was getting packages in the mail, left, right, and center. And it, that was not surprising. What was surprising was that I actually got something back from Discover and it was the Danger Kitty CD in the mail with the Steel Panther. I mean, what would ultimately be Steel Panther, uh, you know, on this CD. So my first exposure to the band was Danger Kitty's Love Rocket, like in 2005 or something like that. And then 
I hear about this album like three or four years later and I said to myself, I can't believe that this joke of a band from TV is now uh, has this new material, but I had no idea what to expect. Um, and, and, and then we were off and running when I got the album, which was just, uh, something to behold for sure. Yes. And, uh, I think it was, uh, the song community property that you told me I needed to, to listen to. And I'll never forget putting it on and being like, Oh, what a, what a nice, uh, what a nice eighties style, you know, power ballad. And, and then, um, and then they start singing <laughs> and then I'm like, Oh, Okay, so this uh, is this taking is, a turn real yeah, fast, and and oh, I had so much fun playing this song at bars on the jukebox and just seeing if anybody was paying close enough attention. Especially that later just, in the night, as people got a little, uh, yeah. you know, had a couple no one, more drinks. No one ever noticed, like that, you know, like they were just kind of chatting away, having their drinks, so they didn't really. I don't think they really paid much attention to it. So the song is playing, and I was always waiting for just seeing some rando at a bar have that WTF moment and it just never happened. So that was always a disappointment, but it always made me laugh that like a song like that would be playing inside of a bar. Um, and no one really reacting to it whatsoever. Yeah, God, God bless. I remember being with you up uh, in in Rochester, where you are, and, and seeing this come on. This was probably about a year or two after the album came out, and um, yeah, no pop, no no nothing. I guess they just assumed that somebody put Motley Crue on the on the player, and they were going to play Home Sweet Home or something because <laughs> it, it's it's um, it's something. And, and I'll say this: having listened to the album, probably. You know, I, I, I'll go back and I'll say it this way. In 2010, when the album came out, or 2009, when the album came out, I was listening to this a lot. I mean, a lot. And then they came out with um, their next album uh, back in 2011, and they probably released uh, three albums since then, every couple of years or so. I really kind of never got into anything after this album. I, I just thought it was kind of derivative nothing extraordinary, but I thought they hit a home run with this album. Although admittedly, I don't remember listening to this album in the last probably seven or eight years. Like it had been a long time. So to go back and just play these songs over and over, it was like a trip down memory lane. I thought I was back in 2009. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I, I've followed them. I've, I've, you know, I bought, I've bought all their albums since this came out, but I don't think anything really, um, resonated quite like this this first one and like you said like it kind of the whole like the shtick gets kind of old after a while although they have released songs that like are fairly clean and not really that um that suggestive but then there's also glory hole so i mean they're (laughs) (laughs) so i mean they're they're all over the place but um yeah i mean I, i i Cheers to them for the the success they've found, but uh, I I I think I'm with you that this was probably their their crowning achievement. And I'll get into the live show in a little bit. I've seen them twice, uh, but you know, to their credit, they they have gained quite a bit of popularity ever since this release. Uh, they do they are relentless on the touring circuit. I mean, they are just on the road constantly. And they used to have a residency in Las Vegas, which is where I first saw them um, shortly after the album had come out. Uh, I guess it was probably 2010 that I that I saw them right after the album came out. Um, they would do a lot of covers, which was obviously playing to the tourists in Vegas. But then they would obviously do their own stuff as well. But to your point, it was like 
obviously a heavy metal show, but mixed with the comedic element, which nobody else was doing at the time. So kudos to them. Um, they kind of found a niche and have been running with it ever since. And, and what's funny is these guys, the musicians, are all like fairly accomplished in their own right. And, and by that, I mean like you, you talk about like Michael Starr, the singer. He sang on uh, an L.A. Guns album in 1998. He did a he was in a you know a fairly successful uh, Van Halen cover band and has been on a number of other guest appearances on other releases as well. Uh, but uh, you know all these guys, Satchel, the guitar player, has uh, quite a discography himself. Um, you know a lot underground, but they they really hit it with with this band twenty years after they probably should have. Yeah, um, they uh, they they did a cover of. Um... Aldo Nova's Fantasy, and that song ended up being used as the theme song for Rob Dyrdek's Fantasy Factory. And uh, so, like, you know, I, I remember uh, with like, hanging out with Mike, and um, I think he had that the intro to that TV show on one of his Power Hours or something, and I'm just like, is that, is that Steel Panther? It sounds like Steel Panther. And I looked it up, and sure enough, it was. I was like, wow, that's that's kind of cool. Like, Steel Panther's the got the theme song on a show on on mtv um but yeah um i I agree with you about the um the band members michael Starr is like the second coming of david lee roth his his um i think we mentioned it a a bunch of episodes back but um when when um eddie van halen passed away uh steel panther released a cover of beautiful girls and i mean michael Starr is if Van Halen was ever going to go on tour and David Lee Roth decided not to go, call Michael Starr because you're basically he could do David Lee Roth better than David Lee Roth. A hundred percent. I could not agree more. And 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 this whole shtick doesn't work if these guys can't play. If these guys were not like talented musicians, this would be terrible. But the what what makes the album is obviously the absurd, over the top, offensive lyrical content combined with music that otherwise is pretty good. And if you are a fan of that, like, 80s glam or even, you know, borderline heavy metal stuff from the 80s, this is right up your alley. Like, no no, no, no bones about it. It's, it's, it's the talent combined with the comedy, which, 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 makes, which makes this album. So let's get into it. Uh, the, the album starts with kind of an outlier track, a really short, catchy, Ode to Heavy Metal tune called Death to All But Metal featuring, and I don't, I don't think I even realized how many guests were on this album, but it features, uh, Corey Taylor of, um, Slipknot and Stone Sour fame. So right off the bat, you have a pretty, uh, heavy hitter in the, in the hard rock world, you know, joining them on, on, on the opening track of this, this album. And it's one of my favorite tracks on the album. From the opening riff, you know that you were in for, something that's enjoyable. And then from the opening line, and again, I'm not getting into the details, but from the opening line, you know, you were on, you know, you're talking about a lyrical masterpiece, you know, Hemingway, Chaucer, and Michael Starr for writing these lyrics because they, they, he's up there with, with the all-time greats, including Dr. Seuss. <laughs> I don't even know how to, how to follow that sentence or string of sentences <laughs> i think we can i'm gonna wrap it up this has been uh, the metal exchange um this song um didn't hold up as well for me uh, i thought like the lyrics are just a little bit like too juvenile and to say that about this band is really saying something um i think the highlight is the music video 
um, which is really kind of funny and, and uh, features uh, Sarah Silverman as like the, um, the school, the, the, the prissy school marm who ends up uh, getting, you know, uh, flipped to uh, the metal side by the end of it. And, um, and I just enjoy like the end where she, um, she just says, I totally agree that, uh, that, that they, sh- that to death to all butt metal. And he's like, no, no, it's not butt metal. There's nothing about a butt. And that to me is the most entertaining part of the song is the end of the video. Nice. Well, I mean, reasonable minds, I, su- I suppose, can differ. I- I'll say this. One of the things that stood out about this track, and again, I, I-, I think that anything that has Kanye West, Cheryl Crow, and Motley Crue in the same song, I'm hooked just because where where the hell is that going? But what's interesting is I think that all of these songs in their own way really resemble another band from another time, right? So like this one, in the middle of the song, all of a sudden, sudden they start playing Seek and Destroy by Metallica for about two measures, which I just thought was really, really interesting. And uh, obviously the, 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 the heaviest song, I guess you'd say on the album, but the excellent production, which I thought was really, really surprising because money got pumped into this. There's no question about it. It sounds good. Um, and, and I don't know, just something about this song. I thought it was a great way to kick off the album. I, I, I guess it didn't hold up as well for you. Um, but maybe the second track did any thoughts on Asian hooker, yeah, <laughs> I think this song is great. Um, you know, like I think it's it's one of the one of the more catchy songs on the album. Actually, um, again, like I can't really talk too much about the lyrics without being, you know, rated R, I guess. But um, <laughs> R on, on a good day. Yeah, um, the the lyrics I think are a little bit more clever than than most of the rest of the album. It's not too offensive i guess um, oh it's it's because, offensive but i'll say this nothing it's describing it, it's describing a, a person whose whose location and <laughs> occupation do exist in the real world in which case he's true. describing a, a particular person uh, in which in which case we're not saying that all Asian women are hookers or that all hookers no, it's are a, Asian. No, it's a historical narrative. I, yes. I, I know what you're getting at. Um, I, I think that this is, doesn't age as well, although I definitely enjoy the song. It has a really a simple and effective riff that kind of permeates the whole thing. Um, and I thought it was cool how like in the bridge section, it almost... It almost sounds like Michael Starr is rapping in the background, like as it really begins to speed up and then slows down into this really, really catchy chorus. Um, another good tune, I, I have to say. Yeah, yeah, I like this one. Uh, probably, probably in my top three of songs from from this album for sure. Uh, we obviously spoke a little bit about community property, the the ballad, which I think is had been in my head all week, and I have to say that at different points, all these songs, I find myself like kind of just sing. I don't want to say singing because I probably get looks on the street, but like humming in my head or like. The, the songs are catchy enough that they really stick with you. Um, and I look forward to listening to something else next week so that I can purge myself of all of this. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll get there. I think the acoustic guitar on this song is really, really awesome. And I, like I said, it reminds me of something else. This reminds me of Tesla, which who, who we covered a couple of months ago. Um, this song, if you didn't hear the lyrics, would have been like a hit single in 1989. There's like no question in my mind just the way it's constructed. Yeah, and oddly enough, it's actually one of the least offensive songs on the album. Um, yeah, I, well, yeah. I, but I, like, it, it's. I think that the 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 content of the lyrics set to this style of song is what makes it 
all the more hilarious because it's like supposed to be this this 80s power ballad love song and it's just this guy the talking antithesis about, of that. yeah this guy is just like like um you know you're my favorite girl but i'm still going to openly cheat on you uh at, at all you know but i love you all. yeah but i love you um it, it's uh it, it's you know it, it's a pretty honest song yeah, listen. I mean, you, 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 if you got to respect the honesty, right? Uh, it, 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 if honesty is if honesty is the best policy, Michael Starr is uh, getting an A for 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 his honesty here. Um, I think that one of the things I never noticed is that there's actually like a lot of orchestration in the back of this song, which kind of helps with the feel. I never noticed that before, probably because I was just too into the the lyrics and the guitar work. But um, there's some cool or- orchestration on this track, and and I can understand why, like. I guess in retrospect, there's a reason why I sent this one to you first because it was kind of one of the ones that stuck out big time when I first heard the album. I think I just played it to death, so it's not my favorite track at this point. We'll, we'll get to, to some of my more favorite tracks on the album, but certainly a, I can't. A, a I can't song. stop. I can't stop laughing at you trying to like talk about orchestrations on this album, like. <laughs> I I I, I never ever in my wildest dreams thought I would put orchestration and community property in the same sentence, but here I am. So only only at the metal exchange, obviously. Um, Eyes of a Panther is the is the fourth track, and this is like the first real dud for me. I have never cared for this song, and that hasn't changed very much. Uh, better than I remember it, but at the same time, I don't think it's a particularly great song. It starts with a very very cool riff, um, but then it just kind of doesn't do very much for me when it goes forward uh a lot of fluff going on here and a lot of different sound effects uh and whatnot cool keyboards i guess but and i love the backing vocals but short of that i think it's one of the weaker tracks on the album yeah i like this one um i think i would have made this the i think i would have made this the opening track i just i don't know it's just got it's just kind of a like a fast paced i don't know i think it's pretty good probably probably the least offensive lyrically on the i agree with that uh, you, you talk about an opening track with this song. Uh, I'll, I'll say this. When I saw them in Las Vegas for the first time during their residency, um, this is what they opened with. And I remember being sorely disappointed because I, I said to myself, of all the songs to open with, I, I appreciate why it's an opener for, for that live set. And they changed their set constantly because they would throw in different covers and they would play different songs off this album and whatnot. Um, but I just remember saying to myself, I just didn't care for the song. So I wish they would have opened with something else. But you would have been in your glory. Not glory hole, but glory. Just listen <laughs> to that. Um, so, eh, be that as it may, uh, I guess we differ there. Yeah, and, and should we should mention? Um, uh, I think you had said there's a, like uh, Corey Taylor's on the album. Um, Scott Ian does rhythm guitar on, on Asian Hooker, um, and there's just a number of guest um, musicians that we'll probably bring up a little bit more towards the second half of the album. But um, boy. I got. I gotta say this. This next track, uh, "Fat Girl," <laughs> man, this this song um, it, it did not age well as far as uh, lyrical lyrical content. It is. It's it's pretty offensive. I mean, and and that's on an album where every song's offensive. So yeah. you, you know you're onto something here. Yeah, I mean, if I'm gonna try to to squeeze out some sort of gem of positivity out of this song, it's that like. Uh, the guy's admitting that he he enjoys larger women, and and that and you know I guess that's some sense of body positivity, but um, <laughs> I, I I just don't know. Uh, 
it, it's the, the just in general the lyrics are are basically super offensive and the album or the song has the uh the <laughs> the distinction of of being the ranked at number 41 of the the wor- the 50 worst music videos ever by by NME um i've seen this music video it is um so horrible and not only that but um the the girl in the music video is a guy dressed up as a girl. It's just this overweight man eating pizza with like uh, a belly shirt on. Um, it's not a good video. Uh, Death I like all this the metal versus- I think it's great. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I, 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 you and I are so different on this album. It's, I, I never anticipated this. I think this song is like kind of a little gem, I, which is ironic considering the name. I mean, little gem, fat girl. I got it. I, I understand the dichotomy here. Th- this is like a fun tune. And the chorus, all I want to do is sing it live. I probably wouldn't admit this to anyone, but like, I just think, I think it's really, really catchy. And like, um, I don't know. I, I think the song is catchy too. It's one of my favorite songs on the album, believe it or not. It's just, that, oh, okay. like, it's just, you know, at, at, in 2022 at age 39, like, like listening to these lyrics, it's so, it's harder for me to yes. feel good about listening to it. Being, oh, I, I'm, I'm guilty more aware of, of, but being like more aware of like social issues and things like that. I mean, there's a part of me that yes, is still finds this stuff funny because inside there's still a 13 year old boy, but like, um, but at the same time, it's kind of like I'm battling because it's almost, I'm, I'm almost ashamed to admit that I like this stuff. In, well, in think public, about so. the, to me, it doesn't get worse than the outro where you actually hear farm animals like hemming and hawing as, as the song goes out. I mean, like it's ridiculous. And again, this is why I haven't listened to the album in forever, but uh, yeah, fat girl. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, the the next track? Eating, eating, cheating. Uh, this is debatable, not, I, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, this isn't one of my, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I... <laughs> um, I guess, I guess, uh, I don't know. I'm not going to go into a, a diatribe about morals <laughs> and ethics, but um, I, I just, I don't think this is the, one of the better songs, although the, the lyrical content is kind of funny. It's like, you know, this guy trying to uh, basically try to, find a loop, find, try to find a loophole <laughs> in his, uh, in his relationship. Um, but I, I just think um, in spite of the funny lyrics, it's just not one of the, the better songs. Yeah. I'll, I'll say this. Love the opening riff. Uh, I think the entire song has a Dokken feel. And, you know, we covered Dokken in the archives. They're probably my favorite, like, 80s hairband or whatever. Um, the vocals here, I think I think Michael Starr just does a fantastic job. You, you pointed to David Lee Roth earlier. This is him doing his David Lee Roth on the album. And it's just fantastic. And that opening riff, which I love, comes back at the end of the song, which is just really cool. So I, I like this track. Uh, not my favorite, but I, I do like it. So, I mean... Offensive, yes, but kind of funny when you figure the moral quandary that he's in. So I'll, 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 I'll give it a pass. Um, the next track is 100% a, an ode to Bon Jovi. It's basically a blend of runaway and living on a prayer. There's no doubt in my mind that that's what inspired Party All Night. Yes, or Party All Day. Yes, yeah, there you go. Party yeah, All Day. The night, Party. the night is used for other activities. Yes, um, yes, yes. Uh, so I didn't realize this for the longest time, but, um, the lead singer from the darkness, Justin Hawkins has like a line of, 
of uh, lyrics in, in the middle of the song um, saying that he doesn't care if she's a trailer hoe or she's got three freaking eyes. So um, cheers to, to Justin Hawkins for that, <laughs> that really important addition to this album. I'll, um, be, I'll be honest with you. He sounds great when he swings oh, it. Oh, yeah, of it's, course. It's, it's, it sounds good. Like, um, uh, Listen, look, this is my song of the week. And in all honesty, this is one of my favorite songs by any band ever. It it is <laughs> it is so catchy. I mean, I, I and the lyrics aren't really that like offensive to me. Um, just it's just about this guy who just wants to sit around all day and, and just smoke and drink and and have sex all night. And and it's not really offensive to any particular group of people. It's just some guy who wants to be a rock star in so many ways. But um the construction of the song, like you said, that keyboard intro is right out of the runaway by Bon Jovi book. Um, I just think that this song is so catchy. I went through a phase about four or five years ago where I had to listen to this song every single day and just like, and it just would get me so pumped up and excited and happy. I love this song. I think this song is absolutely phenomenal and it was an easy choice. I knew before I even listened to this album again, this was going to be my song of the week. So it's mine as well. I love this song. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Everything, like I mentioned the Bon Jovi, you know, whatever. If you've ever seen him live, they do this thing where he's, he puts something on the mic stand or on the microphone. And it looks like, I think it's actually Richie, Richie Sambora that does it. He looks like he's talking into a harmonica and it makes that like want, want, want sound that like is there throughout this song. And it's obviously on uh, Living on a Prayer as well for Bon Jovi. I mean, they are, they literally went for, for, for the exact copy here and it's fantastic. This is such a fun song and so good live. The best chorus on the album and it just puts you in a good mood. Like this track is amazing and, and I couldn't agree more. I love this track and it was not my favorite track probably in 2009, but when I really started listening to the album a lot the, the following year and whatnot, it quickly ascended to become my favorite. And, and going back and listening to it this week, it's still my favorite. That song is fantastic. Yeah, it, it didn't hit me initially either. And then I remember one time I was just like, I don't know how it came up, but I heard it and I was like, wow, this song is phenomenal. And then it's just been like a staple in my life ever since. Oh. Um, I had to look it up because you just got me curious about this thing that, so it's called a talk box and it was a device that was connected to Richie Sambora's guitar, like you said. And so the sound from the guitar is fed through a plastic tube into Sambora's mouth and believe, and he changes the sound by changing the shape of his mouth. And it was actually famously used by Peter Frampton on the Frampton comes alive live album. Um, so apparently Peter Frampton custom built the talk box for Bon Jovi. <laughs> so you learn something new every yeah, single day. I bet you didn't think we were going to talk about Peter Frampton. Today. <laughs> no, I, I didn't. Uh, I, I had a list of about 10 things I thought we'd get to, and he didn't make the top 5,000. So th this is fantastic. And, and thanks for that little uh, insight. Um, we're yeah, going to do Frampton Comes Alive next week on the Metal Exchange. Don't spo worry. Spoiler, I, I, I'm sure. Um, go to the next track, Turn Out the Lights. Uh, any thoughts on this one? Uh, I thought it was interesting that uh, M Shadows from uh, Venge Sevenfold does some guest vocals here. Uh, it's not it's not my favorite song. I don't think it's horrible. It's fine. It's kind of offensive to unattractive people, I guess. <laughs> 
I don't know. As, 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 a, as a big group of just throw them into a, one large uh, segment of the population. But you can imagine what Turn Out the Lights is all about. If you, if you, if you can't guess, can't do certain things unless the lights are turned out. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's kind of in that eat, eat and eat cheating area for me where it's like, it's probably a little better than eat and eat cheating. Eat and eat cheating is probably, God, I said that a lot in the last 30 seconds. Um, that's probably my least favorite song. The song's, I think, a little bit better. Um, it's It's got more uh, catchiness to it, but um, it's not one of my favorites. It, it's It's all right. It's it's pretty good. Um, I think it has one of the better guitar solos on the album, which I mean is is pretty good. Uh, the bridge also provides a nice touch here, um, and and then there's a point in the song where it actually slows down and becomes like a power ballad for a second, and then really goes back into um, the guitar solos and a pretty pretty sick riff. So I like the song. I don't think it's the best song on the album, but I, I definitely uh, enjoy it. And it's kind of forgotten about a little bit because it's buried a little bit towards the end, but. It's good. It's good. Um, we get to the second true ballad on the album um, with 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 obviously a theme that continues, and this is Stripper Girl. Um, again, acoustic guitars here. Uh, a fun little song. I think that the lyrics are offensive, but like palatable, I guess. Um, I guess is the best way to say it. Um, this is one for me that at least has gotten a little bit better over time. Um repetitive but has gotten better over time i don't think i appreciated it as much a, a decade ago yeah I, I i think it's a shade a shade underneath community property uh, um i think community property is the winner ballad on the the album but um it's kind of funny because i i hear a song like this and i think to myself man if if motley crew had like no, just no, didn't have to worry about any sort of censorship and could just sing about whatever they were actually thinking. Like, this is the kind of stuff that they probably would have come up with. Like, you know, it, it's, as the old saying goes, it's like, you know, that we're just saying what everybody else was thinking. They were singing about Home Sweet Home, but they were living stripper girl. So it's kind of funny, like, when you put the two together. Like, yeah. this, Well, the this home is... they were singing about was a strip club. So Yeah, well, there, being, there you go. They're, they're, they're just there being coy about it. <laughs> they, yeah, I guess this is, when, when you rip off the censors, you, you get stripper girl. Um, I, I remember my first love, my first love on the album being the next track, The Shocker. <laughs> I don't think this song aged well at all. And it's actually probably one of my least favorite songs on the album now, but I loved it when I first heard it. And this is what actually like kind of drew me to the rest of the album. Um, the verses are kind of weak. The chorus is pretty good, but very repetitive. Well, the lyrics are, are really just kind of instructions, aren't they? Like it, this is, it's well, I guess when you pull out the Ikea box, this is what yeah, you get, it, you know, it's, it scares me that this song might be used as sexual education for some some <laughs> some young teenagers. You know, like where'd you learn that move? Uh, Steel Panther album. Um, uh, I th- this song is so stupid, but the the lyric about the pinky that's brown just kills me every time I hear it. <laughs> and the and the two hundred and twenty <laughs> volts of whatever at the end that always makes me pop. Um, it is it is it is. Uh, listen. Not my favorite track anymore, although, like I said, it would have been. Um, but there's a nostalgia factor here, which it still makes me laugh because it's just, like, so stupid, but it's funny. This is the song that High Voltage should have come out to when they were in WCW. <laughs> I think they would have been tag team champions if they had come out to this song. Uh, hard, hard, to, hard to argue that, and that really should have been their finishing move, the shocker. I think that yeah. that, that, that would have definitely put them over the top. Uh, yeah. Tell me, tell me. I, I don't know if you know any girls from Oklahoma, but what do you think of the song? 
Uh, this is uh, the last track on the album. If you're not counting any of the the uh, the bonus tracks, this was always the song that I think I knew the least. It was almost like I would hear the shocker and just be like, I can't listen to Steel Panther anymore. Like I, I've reached my limit of how much thirty eight minutes into the album. Yeah, reached my limit on how much ridiculousness I can ingest in one day. Um, yeah, this is uh, it's 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 fine. You know, I, I think at the end of the day. Um, for me, Asian Asian hooker, fat girl, and party all day are probably my my three favorite songs on the album. Um, but I think this is a pretty solid way to kind of uh, finish things up. And um, I, I, I think I got to listen to the uh, bonus track "Hell's on Fire." Uh, that's the only bonus track I had. And again, it's kind of like a pretty standard Steel Panther song. But uh, what about what are your thoughts on those those two? Girl, Girl from Oklahoma is basically Mr. Big or Extreme, um, like, again, reincarnated. I think it's a really good song, and I think it's a good way to close the album. Um, one of the things I'll say is this. It, it's it's He starts referring to the next CD in the song, which I thought was kind of cool, and that's why bonus tracks are not. This is the end of the album for me as far as I'm concerned. Um, there's one part at the end where they like start snapping their fingers, and I thought that was really funny just because it's like <laughs> – so misplaced but i i loved it i think it's i think it's a really good track and it's probably one of my two or three favorite on the album at this point hell's on it fire makes me wish that like a barbershop quartet would cover it uh, maybe the they will i mean alexa they now 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 you're thinking outside the box and i i like that um hell's on fire is pretty terrible um I never cared for it i thought it was completely misplaced and i'm glad it's a bonus track i i, I don't have anything good to say about it it feels kind of uninspired to me and i i don't think the creative juices no pun intended were flowing oh, here um yeah, <laughs> yeah you know i mean when in rome right um I'm curious before I ask you for your, your rating. And I do think it's funny because we have a lot of differing opinions on the songs, but we agree on the song of the week, which is kind of like our top 50, right? We had the same album, but the lists were quite different in, in many ways. Um, Going back, was it as good as you remembered it? Was it worse than you remembered it? Or is it just the uh, fact that it doesn't age well and it was different when you were in your 20s? Uh, musically, it, it's as good as I remember it. Um, I just think um, th- thematically, it just doesn't hold up because we're, we're just, I think that we're, we're, as we're getting older, we're learning to be a little less terrible to each other as a humanity, or at least some of us would like to try to you know, uh, wave that flag. So I think in ways like it's a little bit harder to listen to, but I think if you can put it aside and maybe after a few, a few, uh, adult beverages, um, and you let your, your guard down a little bit, it's, it's a little bit more enjoyable, but I I understand the, the appeal. Um, I think it's worth kind of mentioning people that are better at at describing things than myself. Uh, I'll read a couple of, um, kind of quotes that I think really, (laughs) Kind of it's like, a nail in the head. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'll go with uh, Jason uh, Lyman Grover of All Music, and and uh, he said Steel Panther's ability to create songs that sound like they came from 1987 is commendable. That's about as close to clever as it gets, though. Um, David Saint Hubbin said it's such a fine line between stupid and clever, and the locker room humor wears thin quickly. Um, Sophie Bruce of the BBC said, quite simply, Feel the Steel is an utter feel-good masterpiece. Um, 
And uh, the independent says uh, it's essentially spinal tap brought forward five years to the coked up cock rock era, complete with, you know, eating, ain't cheating and dangerous levels of dumbass homophobia, sexism, racism, and sizism. The songs are at times terrifyingly authentic. Is it new? Don't be stupid. Is it funny? Hell yeah. So um, what else can I you mean, say? I think that yeah, hits the nail on the head. Yeah. I mean, you just sometimes I think you just have to like, Think of the source. I mean, it's obviously a, a gimmick. Um, they were trying to do something that nobody else was doing. And and, and I think, like, you know, um, there's been, I think, bands that have kind of spawned from this. Like, I think of uh, Ninja Sex Party, um, particularly, who is not really a metal band, but, like, lyrically, it's just kind of, like, just that kind of goofy tongue-in-cheek just like no frills no censored like just you know almost kind of like this uh just like a, a guy like a like a teenage guy's like uh stream of consciousness in a lot of ways but um as far as steel panther goes i mean like you said like you can't take anything away from the musicianship because i think that anyone could have put together an album full of you know offensive stereotypes and it's the, I think it's that fact that the music was good. That is what actually made that people pay attention to them. Yeah, I agree. Um, I just want to, before, before we rate the album, I, I want to wish longtime bassist Lexi Fox. Well, he left the band in July of uh, 2021, about three years prior to that, he had gone into sex uh, rehab. You know how it is. Um, you know, it's just sometimes you have to, you that's know, gotta go. be a story. That's gotta be kayfabe, right? Oh, <laughs> Yeah, obviously. I just thought it was funny. Uh, but was, like, I feel like he was definitely the one who got the most flack um, from stage. like the onstage roasting. Oh, totally. Like they they gave him because he Hell. was like the he was like the the dumb blonde persona. Um, he was always my favorite one in the band. Actually, I always not, not a fan of sticks it in you. <laughs> I mean, not the drum. Not if it could be avoided. <laughs> Scale of one to ten, what, what are you? What are you? What are you rating this uh, this lyrical masterpiece? Uh, you know, I, I, it's at a seven. I think that the um, I think that the the musical content and some of the the lesser offensive lyrics that are, I find quite funny um, really kind of hold it up to probably a higher rating than it probably would have gotten otherwise. But I, I can't. I can't in good conscience give it anything lower or higher. I mean, I think that's just where it lands for me. It's a seven and a half pretty much for the same reasons. I think, um, I don't, like I said, I don't even know if the other albums would have been fives for me, at least the ones that I've heard, but this, they, they you know, you remember your first and this was, this was definitely good. I, I think I probably would have given it even a little higher back in the day, but it's, it's, it's trending in the wrong direction, but I still enjoyed listening to it this week. So thank you for indulging me. Uh, a couple of, a couple of quick news items I think that are definitely worth mentioning. Wasp and Armored Saint are heading out on a tall, uh, a tour this fall. They, they begin in Anaheim, California on October 29th. Uh, they do a full run of shows across the country before coming back to California on December 9th. Uh, as luck would have it, they are coming to, um, they're coming to New York as well, uh, actually on Long Island on November 18th. And I actually have tickets to this because, A, I love Armored Saint. And, B, Wasp is like a guilty pleasure of mine. I've been wanting to see them for years. And this is their first tour in a decade. So um, that that should be a fun tour. And Amorphous, one of our favorites, has also um, 
basically come out and said that they're going to tour this spring. The show was uh, kick off April 13th in New York City, and it concludes in Baltimore on May the 12th. And uh, I, I, you know, I'm starting to look at my calendar. It's filling up pretty pretty fast this spring between uh, Leprous and uh, the Amorphous now, and then uh, Riverside. It's just a lot of a lot of concerts coming along. And uh, I think we'd be remiss not to mention the other band that is touring with Leprous, The Ocean, who unfortunately had to bow out of Prog Power USA. But I think they got a mighty fine replacement um, and and certainly a friend of the show. You want to talk about that for a little bit? Yes. Um, I'm uh, I, sorry to hear that The Ocean had to fall had to fall off. I know there were a lot of people that were looking forward to seeing them. Um, you know, thankfully, they'll be doing a, a tour did you mention that i'm sorry um, yeah yeah they're, they're doing the tour with leprous but uh they will not be playing prog power um right. in june but right but they were they were able to get um a band that we had uh get, has guested on our podcast and uh also who in the last two years had albums that were uh appeared on i think both of our uh top albums of the year and that that's seven spires and um you know as far as finding a domestic band uh, to fill a slot like that. I mean, I don't know that they could have made a better choice. Um, I, I unfortunately missed the last time they played at Prague Power. They were a very last minute replacement for, um, I believe, Terra Maze. Um, and uh, it was an opening spot. And I think it was on Saturday. And if you knew anything about me, uh, 2.30 on a Saturday, there's not really a prayer of me making it into that <laughs> venue unless it's like Power Quest playing. So um, I missed it. But I I also was not nearly the fan of the band that I am now with the 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 last two albums being so great. Um, I would even venture to say that um, the pre, the not the current album, but the one before it, I, I would have landed even higher on my list had I listened to it more. Um but uh, that said, right now we're looking at a, a lineup that is um, Wild Run, followed by North Tail, followed by Unleash the Archers, uh, not Unleash the Archers, my bad, uh, Seven Spires, followed by uh, Pain of Salvation, Performing Perfect Element, followed by Stradivarius headlining. So if that lineup uh, holds true and we don't run into any more COVID or visa issues, fingers crossed, that's a hell of a Thursday night lineup uh, by um, promoter Milton Mendoza. So, uh, or um, Mendoza, as he goes by <laughs> in some circles. Um, but yeah, that, that I mean, I, I wasn't a big fan of the ocean. And in all honesty, I really didn't have a chance to listen to them that much and even develop an opinion. So um this for me is kind of a, it, it's an upgrade just based on knowledgeability, but um, I'm, I'm super psyched about that Thursday night. If it, if it uh, holds together with the, the current lineup. Yeah. Now, nowadays you, you, you never know um, what's actually going to come to fruition, but if it holds this, this looks really good. And, and even though I was very much looking forward to the ocean, I'll see him with Leprous. I'll make a point of going to that show when they, when they come around here. So um Busy, busy spring, but uh, lots to look forward to. Uh, so we'll we'll um, keep the keep the hits on coming. We've got a lot of requests that have been coming in, uh, so much so that we may even start doing more than one a month um, here and there, just to kind of thin out the list a little bit, which is great. I love it um, because picking my own picking Steel Panther albums is you know you know only goes so far. But the pressure is on you because you have not selected an album for it's got to be a month now because of uh, you know everything that's happened, and I'm I'm very curious to hear what I'm listening to next week. 
Well, I thought we would go from one type of VD to another and talk about Vision Divine's uh, original uh, self-titled album uh, that came out in 1999. Um, It was, I think it was originally advertised as like a Fabio Leone solo album, and it kind of turned into like, I think him and Olaf Thorson kind of working together and kind of almost picking up where they had left off with that first Labyrinth album, No Limits, um, that that uh, I think a lot of people don't realize Fabio was the vocalist on under a stage name of Joe Terry, which sounds kind of like a like a like a jobber in like a <laughs> in like a, a 1990s uh, fighting fighting game. Um, so, yeah, uh, Joe Terry. Um I don't know. I, I, I've had this album in the back of my head for uh, like since we started because I, I'm a big fan of this album. Um, I know a lot of people prefer the, the, the loopy era of Vision Divine, but I always go back to this first album. Um, I remember getting it. I think I, re- I, think I got this and, and Luca Terilli's first solo album that we talked about a few weeks ago. They came out right around the same time. I remember getting both of them. I think for Christmas maybe that year, but uh, whatever the case may be, um, that's uh, what I wanted to talk to. And just being able to make that VD joke made uh, just really cemented the choice for me. I mean, how can you do a Steel Panther show and then not make a VD joke at some point? So very, very fitting. Um, we have not done Labyrinth. We have not done Vision Divine. We did the we did the Rhapsody, the the debut Rhapsody album, um, but we have not done a lot of the Italian power metal, which was really kind of. I don't want to say formative, but was like really kind of big in the in the late '90s when, with bands like Skylark and and others that come to mind as well. So this should be fun. Um, I am a huge fan of of those uh, Michelle Lupi albums with with Vision Divine, and I always thought that um, for whatever reason, I, I just I, I guess I struggle with Send Me an Angel. I never thought it was as good. Although I'm going to make a point to listen to that this week as well. But the debut album does kind of hold a soft spot for me because I was such a big fan of No Limits, and to hear to hear Fabio and um, Olaf back together, albeit very close in time to that Labyrinth debut, th- this this will be fun. I'm, I, I have not listened to this album in a long time, so um, excellent choice. I, I look forward to this a lot. Me too. I. Uh, I it- it's been about a bit over a year and a half, I think, since I've listened to the album start to finish. So, um, I, I boy, the time really, really goes by. Um, so we uh, may or I, I, we have uh, an interview lined up. Is that something we want to discuss? Or are we, yeah, uh, I'm still happy. Let's just. I'll, I'll say it this way. I'm, I'm hammering out the details, but it was. Uh, it, it would be very timely for an episode that we did uh, some weeks and months back, but I was able to uh, able to find someone that was uh, very uh, interested in discussing one of the albums we did. So we may just drop a special episode at one point, and when we do, uh, we'll, we'll drop it on a Thursday. Just kind of throw it in there, and 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 you can hear the album discussion that we're going to talk about in the archives. Uh, but I don't want to reveal it just yet because um, I want to hammer out a few more things first. And with any luck, uh, that person will end up becoming a bigger star than they ever were after appearing on our podcast and potentially uh, ending up on some sort of uh, news story about um, law. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and shout out to Danny Estrin. But uh, thanks again for listening. Uh, 
Join us on our social media pages, our Reddit page, which is now up and running. And obviously to anyone that watched today on Twitch, thank you. Um, it's been fun, and we'll come back with some VD next week. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we will. Uh, we'll, we promise to be a little bit more uh, mature and behave, but uh, uh, maybe I don't want to promise that. <laughs> Take it easy, but I'll talk to you later. Take care. Come on.